Have you heard how some people say that communication is the most important thing in a relationship? Today, we're going to explore the possibility that maybe it's not just communication that is key to having successful relationships. Whether you're in a relationship now, or you're currently single and looking for a relationship, what are some of the other factors that can help you build fulfilling relationships? If you'd like to find out more about how you can find and create fulfilling relationships, head over to therelationshipmaze.com. If you'd like to find out more about this podcast, go to therelationshipmazepodcast.com and press subscribe right now. Well, welcome to today's uh, podcast episode. And today we're going to be looking at the notion that communication is not all in a relationship because very often uh, we find that, I notice it certainly when people come to couples therapy, they always say, well, we need to learn to communicate better and then our relationship is going to be sorted. And yes, they're right on some level, communication is important, but there are really other aspects that are just as important or might be more important initially before we come to communication, to talking to each other. Yeah, and as we were talking about this podcast, or as we were planning it, I looked up uh, quotes about communication, and you know, so many people say how communication is the most important thing, and I, th- I think that emphasis as well puts a lot of pressure on people to mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. you yeah, am I communicating right? Maybe it's my communication that's the reason, or their communication that's the reason for the relationship not working. You know, if only I could communicate this in, in the right way. And sometimes that pressure as well makes, puts all that kind of responsibility on, on that communication when maybe it's not the only thing. No, and I mean, I think the interesting factor of our communication is that if you do, uh, if you're able to talk things through or over in your relationship, that creates um, more connection with your partner. But sometimes, conversely, in order to be able to talk things over, you also need to have some connection first before you can do that, particularly when there is a situation that's a little bit tricky, yeah? And we just had this, we just had this, (laughs) leading up to this podcast, we had this moment where we had a a bit of a, well, how should we describe it, disagreement or argument is too strong. Something happened there in our exchange when we were planning the topic for today's podcast. Uh, and I think there was, I, was, I felt a bit angry um, and I noticed that because I was feeling a bit angry, I kind of completely withdrew from you and you could have talked, we could have talked about this, but I wasn't ready to talk about it. I was just feeling angry. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the important things is that you may, if you try and communicate or communicate when you're in the wrong emotional way of being or the way that might be too intense, uh, that's going to affect your communication, how you do it. So sometimes, you know, if you're feeling really angry, if you're feeling really upset, trying to communicate at that time, it, it can be really challenging. And then the other person may become defensive where mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's often finding that right time. Maybe you do need to step back and allow some of that emotion to settle before you have that discussion or that communication. Because otherwise that connection gets uh, interrupted by the dynamics of the emotion that go with it. So, mm-hmm. so like you said, you know, if, 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 if you're getting angry, if you're getting kind of irritated or upset, um, Maybe because of what the other person said, and and I think that's the thing is when yeah. when we get upset, mm. you know there are different 
things to do with that, aren't there? Of so course, it's like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so it's not just the other person always. No. I mean, sometimes that's a big, more of a factor. Uh, but it's also, it's what we interpret, what we read, what we bring with our past experience that, mm. that kind of triggers us to react maybe more strongly than um, is warranted by what was said or done. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the concepts, just a little bit of a, a concept here that's helpful in terms of making some sense of this, and then I come back to what just happened to us, is it's this concept of mentalization that's often used uh, in um, psycho dynamic theories in particular, the idea that, uh, well, just in psychology, sorry, it's a psychological concept, the idea that you can kind of um, get a sense of the state of mind of another person and your own state of mind. So, in, and the more we can kind of really feel or think our way into the state of mind of another person and are sort of clear about what happens for us, the better we are at connecting to the other person. Um, and we'll unpack that a little bit in a minute. But just to come back to that, so I noticed that I was very wrapped up in my own frustration in that moment. Um, I could I could kind of think about my own state of mind to some extent, but I certainly couldn't at all think about Tom's state of mind in that moment because I was too busy being angry and and sort of having strong emotional reactions to what was going on. So if we had just sat down and tried to have a sort of rational discussion about it, communicate, so to speak, it, it just didn't, it wouldn't have worked. So I think what's also really important in this kind of situation then is to manage these emotion, particularly these very intense emotional responses that we have first. And then we can go back and talk about stuff. Because in this moment when we have strong emotional responses we're not able to connect well I wasn't able to connect to you there was no connection in that moment I was just wrapped up in my own cloud so to speak and uh, and I wasn't capable uh, to to talk about it so I needed to kind of uh, step back a little bit just do something else for a little while went and had a shower uh, and then we could uh, sit down and kind of discuss uh, pick up what, what we what, what we were discussing and and I could then kind of step into um, uh, Tom's state of mind or try to connect a little bit with Tom's state of mind and what he might have experienced in this moment. And that was the, com that was the communicative bit that we did then, yeah, in this moment. Yeah, and I suppose when you're saying you were unable to, and I had a similar thing as well, so it became difficult to, to step into your shoes to get a sense of what might be going on for, in your thinking, your feeling, to get a sense of mm. what you were thinking, what you were feeling and maybe why. Yeah. Um, and because, yeah. but, but at the same time at that situation, I think we do have a very strong sense of projecting mm. maybe somebody from our past into the other person's mm. like maybe thinking, well, they're so arrogant because that's where mm. often when we aren't mentalizing, mm or we aren't using mentalization, it's, mm. it's when we have those strong judgments about people, yeah. thinking they're so arrogant, they, they're belittling me, they're, you know, they're kind of uh, closed off to anything. Mm. Um, and, you know, maybe some of that's, maybe there's some truth in some of these things, maybe, you know, maybe there isn't. But that's where, where we kind of read this, we interpret it. And, and, you know, like when we call people names outside, we think they're, they're such a selfish or arrogant so-and-so. Mm. And, you know, th then you're thinking, actually, in the mind of that person, 
do you think they're really going around thinking, hey, I'm an arrogant, selfish so-and-so? Or is there something else going on in their mind? It might yeah. be something very different. So it's, it's, you know, sometimes it's that separation between you know, what we project into mm-hmm. and then we kind of react to with the other person versus actually being able to separate our where we are and kind of get a sense of appreciating what's going on for them. Yeah, it's bridging that gulf, isn't it? Because mm. I think of anything, I mean, what is connection? This is an interesting question, isn't it? What connects us to another person? Uh, we feel connected when we feel that we're being heard, when we feel that we're being loved by the other person, the other person cares for us, etc. Um, but when we are so dis, you know, but when we are having this moment of this flash of anger, for example, we don't feel that, do we? Um, it's really hard to kind of to to feel this sense of connectedness. It kind of needs to be repaired first. And often it needs to be repaired by kind of noticing what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this? What can I do here to, to look after myself? And then I can step out again and connect with the other person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think when you said, uh, I think you mentioned that sense of not being heard, that can be quite important yeah. too. So it's like you don't feel the other person really is you know, on your wavelength, as you might say. So, um, yes, and, and, and that connection, connection is an interesting thing because, like you said, it's it's not just through communication. No. It's through maybe doing activities together. It's through doing, um, you know, doing something fun together. So sometimes, you know, we, we may get so stuck on thinking I just need to kind of sit down and communicate. And sometimes we need to maybe go and do something fun together, whether it's dancing, whether it's going for a walk or playing some sport together or whatever it happens to be, there are different ways that we can find connection. Yeah, so that's that's another way of kind of getting, yeah, bringing you together, bringing you closer to your partner through to, through joint experience, yeah, through mm. experience of fun, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's also this sort of, um, coming back to this whole idea of kind of, you know, getting to stepping into each other's minds because that's what you have to do to some extent, don't you? To feel to really get a sense of what's going on with your partner, you have to sort of approximate, so to speak, their state of mind. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? What are they experiencing? And that's not so easy, it's not really easy to do that all the time, is it? No, it's not so easy to really know what's going on with the other person. We might think we know, but we don't often. Yeah. And also, why is this, why are they feeling that? Why are they thinking that is also maybe quite relevant too, in terms of you know, what, what causes them to f- be angry? Because it's one thing actually having mm-hmm. sense they're angry, but in a sense of what's going on, what might be causing that as well. Yeah. And also, for, and, and, you know, importantly is for you, what's really causing your feeling? So you have this feeling of anger, frustration, um, you know, but what's really causing that? Where's that coming from? Yeah, so I mean that's that's always that's always the first that's always the first starting point, isn't it? But again, when you're in that moment, like in this moment I was in earlier on, my sort of rational thinking just shuts down. I don't think. I feel. I sort of feel, you know, I have a sort of waves of experiences. I feel it in my body, I kind of just feel that there's something that's sort of quite disjointed. I don't I don't do the rational thinking. I don't sit down and then uh, and then I'm not able to have this conversation. 
isn't it, I'm just wondering, isn't there any of that rational bit? Like, or any of that, that bit going stone? Oh, he's, he never listens to me. He's such a, he's such a so-and-so. He's so arrogant. Yeah, well, maybe. But I think it's not even that. Sometimes it's not even a sort of very concrete thought like that. It's just a sort of feeling of, oh, I'm really annoyed here. I need to just get out of the room. I need to just get away. Mm. That's usually my reaction when I'm feeling angry. I just need to get away. To, like, escape. Yes, I need to escape. And and sometimes I think, actually, that is the best thing that I can do, really. Um, because then I need to just sort of manage my... I need to bring my system down, so to speak. I need to bring my anger down. Um, and I notice that it kind of seeps out of my body after a while and I don't feel it so much. And then I can start thinking again and reflecting. I think that's important, isn't it? The, then I have the capacity to actually step back and think, really, was it really that bad? Was Tom really that annoying in this situation? Or was I just over, or was I just overreacting and responding in a way that was really a bit over the top and inappropriate in this scenario? But uh, but it takes me a while to kind of get to this point where I can do that. Yeah, yeah, and so mental mentalization is such an important ability to have, and 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 it's also one of the core components um, of emotional intelligence, which we might talk mm-hmm. about in another episode. Yeah. I think we were talking about yeah. that as well. Yeah. Um, so, and some people seem to be better at mentalizing than other people. Yeah. Um, so I suppose one of the questions is, is this a skill that you can develop? Yeah. Is it something that you're born with? Or, you know, yeah. what do we do if, if we're not good at mentalizing? Or we don't think we are. Yeah, so mentalizing is, is a really important uh, ingredient in, uh, in our attachment styles and how we acquire a particular attachment styles. So if we have... Uh, a primary care, mum or dad, if they're really good at mentalising, if they can kind of anticipate when we were growing, when we are infants, if they could anticipate what what we were feeling, what we were thinking, what we might need, whether we might uh, need another feed as an infant or a bit of playtime, the more capacity our parents have to mentalise, the more likely we are to develop into secure adults. Yeah, And conversely, if our parents don't lack that capacity to really kind of know what uh, the emotional state or or thinking state or any kind of state of their child, then there's a much stronger likelihood that this child will have uh, will develop an insecure attachment. So, so we kind of learn that from our parents. Yeah. Yeah. So we model it. Yeah. We model it, and we yeah. model it through the feedback as from the parents. Yeah. So the parents. Uh, they have a sense of what our needs are, they respond to those needs, they have a sense of what we might be thinking, feeling that we're kind of, that we're kind of uh, actors, we have, we're, we have agency in life, we're not just a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so through that feedback in terms of how parents behave to us, and later on as we develop verbal skills, that verbal feedback, mm-hmm. which reflects that mm-hmm. as well. And also maybe hearing how, as a, as a parent, a parent can reflect on their own feelings. So if they get angry, then kind of, ex- then ex- you know, explaining that and exploring why at some point, rather than just being angry, leaving it, yeah. you know, actually, you know, kind of then, then, then explaining afterwards when they've cooled down can be an important thing to understand you know, there are causes mm-hmm. to the emotions. We don't just respond with an emotion. There's a reason. Yeah, and it's right. important to have a sense of that why as well. 
Yeah. So if you just yeah, because we have if we just have the what I'm feeling, yeah. then thinking yeah, well I feel angry and I, because I feel angry, but we need to know you know why you feel angry, and that's something that that often takes a while to learn, and you need to reflect. And if you haven't had that experience as a child from mm-hmm. experiencing your parents do it, mm-hmm. which maybe uh, in the UK we don't get so much, and maybe because I mean I, I think a lot of people traditionally in the past wouldn't. Uh, explain our emotions wouldn't talk about the emotions so much mm-hmm. which we see with a lot of uh, men as well you mm-hmm. know where men bottle the emotions up they mm-hmm. don't say them because it's that sort of almost that cultural pressure to not explore them which mm-hmm. you know I think is, is what we've seen over the last sort of 10 20 years or well, longer as well where there's more rates of suicide in in men yeah. um, because they they feel they can't Say what they're feeling. It has to be bottled up. Mm. Yeah, so that's where the communication comes in, right? Mm. So the first step is to be able to kind of uh, think your way into or feel your way into another person's state of mind. And then the second bit is the communication bit. This is where the communication is important to then to sort of write, to kind of explore that and to explore with with your partner, if we're coming back to relationships, um, to, to relationships with your partner, what just went on there, what did you experience, etc., to kind of discuss your emotional range or your, you know, your thoughts and feelings. So that's where the communication is important. And when you, and um, when you haven't learned that, when you never learned that as a child, because that kind of communi- communication never took place, then that's something that needs to be learned. But it can be learned as an adult. It might just take a little bit more time, yeah, know, a bit more practice. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 also the key thing here as well is that you know, it's not what we were talking about at the beginning is it's not just communication, but yeah. connection. And connection yes. can be formed in different ways. Mm. So sometimes it is take spending time together, but maybe not having to have to communicate all the time if we're not in that space where we're not feeling at that right place to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and some, sometimes, you know, if, if you're in a relationship now, if your partner comes in, you know, some people just want to process on their own and not say it out loud. Other people want to talk through it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the way to connect is to get a sense of what is going on for your partner and what they need rather than trying to impose what you need. Mm-hmm. If you always need to talk things through with your partner, then it's natural to think, well, they need to they need to talk it through. Mm-hmm. So they come home, they're looking stressed, and you're thinking, well, they must have had a tough day. And, you know, they sit down, they don't talk about it. And you're thinking, well, you know, tell me about what happened. Mm-hmm. They say, oh, no, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And you keep pressing them. They get more stressed because you're trying to impose what you think they need onto them rather than being able to mentalize what they need, which is maybe their own space to process it themselves. Mm-hmm. And vice versa, you know, if you tend to process things internally, but your partner or anybody in any relationship likes to say things, and Mm. some people process things by talking through them. They need somebody to talk things through with, to process them. Uh, And if your partner's like that, but you're not, it's, again, being able to appreciate they have that way of Mm. dealing with that and allowing them that space, you know, because the tendency is if we think from our own perspective there, it's like, well, you know, just, just, you just need a bit of time just to think about it. Yeah. 
But actually, they need to talk it through. Yeah, absolutely. And you can talk things uh, through to death as well, can't you? I mean, I think that can also happen in some couple relationships where there's lots of talking, 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 but no real connection. The talking doesn't always connect us, does it? It doesn't create... It can, of course, create connection. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not important, but it's not the only factor here. And sometimes it can be too... um, it can be too almost too be too intellectualized. We're too much in our heads, and it doesn't necessarily create any more uh, uh, intimacy with our partner. No. So, how how might you create intimacy with your partner other than through communication? Do you think? What are some ways? Well, that's a really interesting question. It, I mean, sometimes it is just it might just be uh, just sitting you know sitting on the sofa together, very close to each other, and having a hand on each other's knee or something like that. That might be very connecting. Um, that might bring me make me feel closer, just the physical proximity of someone else. Or um, you know, or I think you said this earlier, Tom, just doing something together that um, that you know that you both know you enjoy. That can just be a, a lot more, you know. That can that can actually create more connection. Yeah, and and following on from what you said, and this is something you might try out if you're open to trying it out when you're listening, because um, you said you know sitting with each other, maybe mm-hmm. sitting opposite each other, and just taking times just to sit quietly together, just looking at each other. And practice breathing in time with each other. Now, this could be a really interesting experience because our breath is so connected to how we're feeling. So when you're feeling anxious, you breathe faster. When you're feeling relaxed, we breathe slower. The breathing is is so connected to our emotional way of being. So when you sit with somebody and breathe in time with them, when you find that same sort of rhythm, even when a person isn't aware that you're doing that, it can really build quite this interesting mm. connection yeah because you regulate together yeah you, yeah you regulate your breath together yeah so sitting down and, and just sitting relaxed just relaxing together and just focusing on breathing in time can be a really interesting quite a deep experience again if you're open to trying that because yeah, it can sound right wacky mood, yeah and you have to be in the right mood for it right and you have to be willing to do that and yeah and you have to be um you have to feel safe enough in that moment as well i think in the relationship to do that yeah so clearly it's time when you want when you can relax more so if you're both feeling really angry it's not for it's not the right time no. yeah in fact, if, if, if you match your breathing to somebody who is feeling angry, you'll probably find you start to feel angry too because yes. it kind of it, it triggers some of that emotion. Um, and, and that's also uh, an interesting thing in terms of one way to explore the experience of the other person is to sort of step into their shoes. So there was, um, there was an expression years ago, I can't remember what it was, something like to understand somebody you have to walk a mile in their shoes you have to imagine metaphorically walking a mile in their shoes or maybe I think the original expression was their moccasins Um, so having that sense of almost stepping into the like like an actor you have to get to know that person not what you think is going on for them but having a sense of what really is going on for that person we may not really know but putting aside what's going on for you and being able to explore what's going on for them Mm. It's such a powerful thing. And breathing in time is, is actually one of those things. Mm. Sort of even sort of the physiology that there might be in. What goes on when you're in a similar physiology? 
Mm. Like if I sit in a certain way, stand in a certain way, move at a certain speed, you know, what does that feel like when you do that? It's something very different. We all have a different tempo for breathing, for moving, for talking. All of these things can help us to get a sense of what it's like, maybe what it feels like for somebody else's experience. Mm. And these are all sort of activities that you do, as you say, um, when you are when there is a bit of connection already, right? Mm. Uh, you don't do them when there's uh, high levels of um, intense emotion going on, uh, anger, etc. That's not the right time. But to sort of practice this, yeah, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, in fact, there's um, there th- we see that naturally that when we get on with people, when we have that rela- a connection. We, we actually tend to find ourselves in a similar physiology. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, and actually there's, an int- there's an, a little video of... Mirroring or the idea that we're well, mirroring or matching. So the same okay. sort of thing. Mirroring is where you do the opposites, but matching is where you do the same. Right, yeah. So mirroring is where you're, like, you're looking in a mirror and if you're a reflection, your opposite yeah. arm would lift if yeah. the other person's on lift. Yeah. Uh, whereas matching is the same. Mm. It's fundamentally the same. So there's... And, and the experience is, mm. is a bit different internally because if you're mirroring, I don't want to get too much into yeah. it, if you're mirroring, we're using the opposite part of the brain to do yeah. that. Yeah. So um, so for matching, yeah, so we, we tend to do this. We tend to match naturally those people that we get on with. So it's like, you know, if you see two people who get on with each other, who are in a relationship out at a meal, if one person leans forwards... The other person you see actually tends to lean forward too. One person sits back. There's a natural flow in this. There is a little video on the internet called... um, uh, It's a clip from a show, I think, with... I think Stephen Fry's commentating. Uh, It's Mr. Nice versus Mr. Nasty, where it's just got a short clip exploring this, and it's very Mm. interesting to watch. Right. I don't know this one. Yeah, so essentially there is this flow... Mm. Um, and, and that's an interesting way to kind of explore, you know, what might be going on for that other person is explore their rhythm. Mm, okay. So you watch their, um, how they move, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're getting a sense of that. And it's sort of in a communication, if you, you know, if you have a communication that maybe hasn't gone well mm. with another person, mm. what we might do is step back from that communication. Imagine that you could see yourself and the other person. Uh, and step into, actually physically step into where you were standing mm. and explore, okay, what was going on for you? What are you thinking? What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? What are your beliefs about the other person? Mm. And just explore what's going on for you in that, in that situation. Mm. Then step out, actually physically step away from where you were standing. And now imagine you can see the other person. And just try to shake off some of that emotion and some of the things that are going on for you. And then actually step into where the other person is. And if you can step into even their physiology, stand how they be standing, sit how they be sitting, even move how they be moving. Mm-hmm. Try to even breathe in the speed they might be breathing, which might be difficult to kind of recall. Um, but get a sense as this other person and you can see opposite you, you. But as you see them, it's like, there's this other person. And, you know, they seem to be feeling a certain way. What's going on for them? Mm. And think, okay, they're talking to me in this way. Notice how that person is talking to you. And you are as them at the moment. And try to use the word I. So I, as if you're them. And sort of, I'm feeling this. Notice what you're feeling as this person. Notice what your beliefs about that other person might be. Notice about what your thoughts are. Mm. 
how when this person responds in a certain way or says something, what it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. And try to explore what really might be going on in the, the intentions and the thoughts of the other person. Yeah, yeah. sounds really interesting. Yeah, and then you can step out of that and actually then observe both people mm-hmm. and notice how actually both people are influencing each other. So it's not one person in a certain way. It's actually one person may say something in a certain way which has an effect on the other person. Then that, that person responds in a certain way which has an effect on the other person. And you notice that we're, we're both interacting in, the, in this way that influences each other. And more powerfully, we can learn to mentalize and step into the shoes of the other person. The more we have flexibility in changing how we communicate with them or how we are with them mm-hmm. to essentially you know, help to communicate better. Yeah. So I think what you are describing sort of makes me think that really one of the most important qualities that couples can have is to be really open to, uh, to, re- open to create an understanding of what happens in in their partner's mind, in their world, mm. to kind of join your partner's world as best as you can. And you never will be entirely. It's almost impossible, isn't it, to completely join each other's worlds and to really completely feel your way into your partner's experiences of the world. Is almost, I think it's impossible. But you can t- try to approximate, you can try to kind of get close there and you can try to be open uh, to the idea of trying to find out what's really happening there. And that's really uh, what's, that's where the communication comes in then, yeah, to, to sort of then have a conversation about it. But that's the next step. If you don't, if you don't have this openness, uh, then, you know, communication is not going to help you, is it? Yeah. It's just words, but yeah. there's no desire then to really understand. Yeah, so, so fundamentally, so to, to say the most important thing beyond communication is probably an appreciation and respect for what's going on for the other person. Maybe not an understanding, because understanding requires that you can relate it to yourself, Mm -hmm. which, like I said, we don't really know. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is, often when people say, well, I understand what you're going through, sometimes that that just kind of doesn't quite hit the mark, because, you know, we never understand. Mm -hmm. But I can appreciate, I can appreciate that this person may be feeling a certain way, they may be thinking a certain way. I can respect this experience that's going on. Mm -hmm. And it may not be exactly the same, but we can have that appreciation of it yeah it's and it's also it's recognizing that there is a gulf always that there is a separation between you and me and the way that you think and feel and the way that i think and feel there will always be a gap between us but we can try to sort of bridge it as best as we can yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so respect appreciation which can help build that connection mm-hmm. which then allows you to communicate better mm. And so communication without appreciation, communication without that exploration, without that mentalization, essentially that communication doesn't hit the mark. It doesn't build connection. It may drive connection away. Yeah, absolutely. So there is no magic formula here, basically. There isn't a sort of script here that if you know how to, if you say, if person A says this and person B says that, then the relationship is going to be fixed or it's going to be great. It doesn't work like that. So communication is just a tool, right? Yeah. It's a tool that enables us to um, to uh, to use words that try to approximate that feeling of connectivity that we have with each other. Mm. 
Yeah, so one thing I'd, I'd suggest maybe taking away as well, we've talked about a couple of things you could try, um, is next time you find yourself responding in a communication with somebody else, maybe your partner, or maybe even if you're out on a date and you don't know that person very well, but the other person says or does something and you find you respond thinking, oh, this person is such a so-and-so, or whatever word you want, fill in the blank. Um, think, start to think, okay, well, what actually might be going on behind this for them? What's their, what might be their intention? What might be their belief? What might they be feeling? What might be the reason for them to behave that way? What might they be feeling? Because it's probably not that they're thinking, I like being this mean person. It's maybe something very different. Maybe they feel that they feel defensive. Maybe they feel kind of sense that they need to show off because they don't feel good enough about themselves. So explore what else could be going on for that person. It will give you an ability to help step deeper into a communication and build connection at a, at a deeper level. Yeah, because it's a bit of practice, isn't it, also, mm. to, to be able to do that. Um, and it's not easy. It's really quite hard. You no. know? Yeah. Very, very, it's quite a challenge, always. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you're absolutely right. It's something that we can that you can practice. And uh, if you if you have that stance of curiosity, also if you just just imagine that you're always curious about the other person, curious and open to kind of a, you know having some sort of insight about what they might be experiencing. That's it. That's a pretty good stance to have, and it will take you a long way in your relationships with anyone, really, friends, colleagues, your partner, etc. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think we've come to the end of this podcast, yeah, unless there's anything else you want to No, I think we've, we've said what we needed to say. <laughs> Great. So thanks for tuning in. Please make sure you press subscribe now. Uh, and it, again, if you want more information, head over to therelationshipmaze.com and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Yeah, we um, take good care and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.